the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Erwin Lutzer has written a wonderful book called Your Eternal Reward. And here's what he wrote about tears in heaven. I quote, I believe there are good reasons why there will be tears in heaven. When we reflect on how we live for Christ, who purchased us at such a high cost, well might we weep on the other side of the celestial gates. Our tears will be those of regret and shame, tears of remorse for lives lived for ourselves rather than for him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Perhaps we would never cease crying in heaven if God himself did not come and wipe the tears from our eyes. End of quote. The passage Pastor Steve is talking about is Revelation 21, verse 4. Right after the great white throne judgment, God will have just set up the new heavens and new earth, as well as the new Jerusalem. It's the aftermath of tremendous upheaval and judgment. Among the emotions that the redeemed will probably feel is regret that they didn't do more to rescue their unbelieving friends who will have just been thrown into the lake of fire. But then God will wipe away every tear and there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying. That's the great event that is awaiting all of us. It's one of the main events which are associated with the return of Christ. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff will continue his final message about the Second Coming. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. We think his expository teaching methods are the most effective way to study the Bible, and his practical applications make these radio Bible classes a good tool for spiritual growth. Application is the central theme of this final message in the series. Our main text is 2 Peter chapter 3. But if you have your Bible and want to follow along, turn now to chapter 2 of Philippians. We have been learning a great deal about the return of Christ, how to know it's not a hoax, how to react to our own doubts and those of others. Now let's look at how and why we are to prepare for that great day. Here is Pastor Steve. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. And I know I have shared this with you, but uh, we have so many new folks at Lakeside that we need to go over this again. And uh, quite frankly, even though you've heard this before about from what I'm going to go over with Philippians, in Philippians, uh, we always need to be reminded of this. I need to be reminded of this. All of us do. Philippians chapter 2, Paul says in verse 12, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed. So Paul's commending them for their obedience. The Philippians, for the most part, were a very obedient, wonderful church. He says, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He says, I know that when I was with you, you were working hard and you were, you were obeying the word of God, but now I'm not with you, so you still need to obey. And then he says a, a phrase that has confused some. He said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, some read that and say, wait a minute, 
I thought the gospel says that you can't work for your salvation. Why is Paul teaching that we ought to work for our salvation? Well, look at that again closely. He's not telling us that we ought to work for our salvation. He's telling us to work out your salvation. In other words, the salvation that you already have, work it out. Work it out in real life. God has given you the salvation. He's simply saying, live it out. Live it out. Well, how do you do that? Verse 13, for it is God who is at work in you. It's not up to you to come up with all of the the, uh, energy and resources and willpower to do this. God is at work in you. You're not on your own in the Christian life. And what is he doing as he works in me? Here's what he's doing. Both, first of all, to will. That means God gives you a desire to live a godly life. God gives you a desire to work on the things that you need to work on in your life. You've got uh, improper speech. You realize you gossip, you complain. God is going to is the one giving you a desire to make changes in that area. You got a problem with morality? God is the one who desires, who's putting that desire in you to change. That's just part of being a Christian. All Christians have that desire, some a little stronger than others, depending on how much they they allow the Lord to work in them, how much they're taking in of the word of God, how much they're allowing the spirit of God to deal with them in conviction. But first of all, God is at work in you both to will. He gives you the desire and to work for his good pleasure. He gives you the strength. Not only do you have the will, the desire to do it, but he gives you the ability to obey. That's what he means by by to work. God gives you the desire and the strength to obey him and to do it for his good pleasure. So God is the one at work. You're not, you, when, when Peter says diligence, he's not talking about just uh, with all the willpower you can get muster up and, and just just do it. He's not saying that. He's saying, yes, you put energy into it. Yes, you, you do it, but you're not on your own. He'll supply the desire and strength, but we have to put some effort into it. God's not going to do that for you. What kind of discipline is he talking about? Well, like reading and applying the word in your life. Like making sure you're at church and in, in a fellowship group. Like spending time in prayer. Like evangelizing and like dealing with your sin. Those are the disciplines that are required to grow. So, as we go back to Second Peter, what have we learned from Peter so far this morning? We've learned that because there's a new world of righteousness coming, we should be diligent to live righteously right now. We don't wait. We don't say, well... Since I'm going to be righteous for all of eternity, I don't need to be righteous right now. Now let's stop for a moment, and before we look at anything further in this verse, let's 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 deal with that. Let's let's ask ourselves that, because I think there are some Christians who have that attitude. Why do we need to be holy now? After all, the moment that you die, the moment that uh, perhaps that we are the generation that will be raptured, only the Lord knows, but the moment you go into Christ's presence, you're going to be as perfect as you can be. Why then does the Bible tell us to live righteously now? Why should you be motivated to do that? You're going to be as perfect as Jesus Christ in terms of character will never be deity, but as perfect as as we can the moment we're with the Lord. Why do we need to live a righteous life right now when we have all of eternity to be righteous? Well, I believe Peter addresses this issue by making the next statement in verse 14. Notice he says, be diligent, and watch this, the phrase, to be found by him. See that? Be diligent to be found by him, 
the expression to be found by him has judicial overtones to it. Judicial overtones. It refers to the time that we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and our lives will be laid bare before him. That's what this is referring to. Now, the Bible refers to the judgment seat of Christ. One of the places it speaks of this is 2 Corinthians 5.10. So I'd like you to look at that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We will explore down the road the entire letter of 2 Corinthians. I've never taught that. I'm looking forward to, uh, to doing that. And uh, this is a marvelous book, marvelous book. And in 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says something that may be new for for some of you. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one, and he's speaking of believers, every one of us may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, you might look at that and go, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Let me explain. This is called, it's translated, the judgment seat of Christ, but it is not actually a judgment for our sin. It's not that at all. Judgment for our sin took place already 2,000 years ago. When Jesus Christ died, that was the judgment for our sin. He was judged in our place. The judgment seat, this this should rightfully be called the bima seat of Christ. That is the Greek word. Not so much judgment, but bima. What was bima? In, in the ancient Greek athletic games, the bema seat was where the, the judge or the king or whoever was in charge handed to, out to the athletes their rewards. And uh, the athletes would stand in front of the, the judge and he would hand out rewards based on their performance. Paul takes that, that expression and that concept and says that there is a time And it will be after the rapture when all believers in the church age will stand before Jesus Christ and at the Bema seat, he will evaluate our lives. Not our sin per se in the sense that they'll be judged because that won't take place, but he will evaluate or judge our lives so that we will be properly rewarded for our service for him and how we lived after our conversion. It's not going to deal with before, but after. Were you faithful? Did you serve him? Were your motives right? And the Bible has a lot to say about our rewards. And that's not the only motivation for living a godly life, but it is one motivation. It is one major motivation. That's why Paul said that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. There, There will be a time we stand before the Lord and our lives will be evaluated. And even though as believers, we are eternally forgiven, eternally forgiven, And we will never be condemned for our sin. Remember, the same Apostle Paul who wrote that we'll all stand before the Lord also wrote in Romans 8.1 that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So you'll never be condemned for your sin. For those of us who have accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, it's a great comfort indeed to know that we are now exempt from judgment for our sins. But our lives and motives will still be evaluated. I have to confess that there are some things I'm not looking forward to about that day, but yet there is the promise of rewards for those things we have done that are pleasing to God. Let's live our lives in such a way that we eagerly anticipate that day. Pastor Steve will be right back with the rest of today's class. First, let's pause to greet those who just tuned in. Thank you for listening. We like to think of Verse by Verse as a radio Bible class of the air. 
Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our teacher for these daily lessons. Today's broadcast is the middle part of a three-part message about the return of Christ. It's the final message in a series of six messages. Let's hurry back to class now. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 3. We need to finish talking about accountability for Christians. However, we still will be held accountable for the way we lived after we became Christians. And that means that some of us might stand before Christ with embarrassment and shame and regret that we did not live as diligent a life as we should have. Perhaps this is why the Bible speaks of, of God wiping away our tears in heaven. Have you ever wondered about that? How could you have tears in heaven? Well, Erwin Lutzer has written a wonderful book called Your Eternal Reward. I would encourage you to get that. I was looking it over this week. It is a great book published by Moody Press, and he is the senior pastor of the Moody Memorial Church. And here's what he wrote about tears in heaven. I quote, I believe there are good reasons why there will be tears in heaven. When we reflect on how we live for Christ, who purchased us at such a high cost, well might we weep on the other side of the celestial gates. Our tears will be those of regret and shame, tears of remorse for lives lived for ourselves rather than for him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. Perhaps we would never cease crying in heaven if God himself did not come and wipe the tears from our eyes. End of quote. Now, as we go back to 2 Peter and think about that, we can understand a little bit better why Peter tells us to be so diligent in our pursuit of holiness. It's because someday we are all, as believers in Christ, going to stand before him and have our lives reviewed and rewarded accordingly. In fact, the Bible even speaks of uh, the loss of reward. You can lose rewards. Now, today... As we think of that prospect, and it is a sobering prospect of standing before Christ, how exactly should we live so as not to be ashamed when we stand in his presence? How does he want us to live? Well, look at verse 14 again, because Peter tells us. He says, be diligent to be found by him. When Jesus finds you, when you stand before him, this is the way you should be. In peace, spotless and blameless. Essentially. What Peter is teaching is that we are to make an effort now to have such spotless characters, and I believe that spotlessness talks about our character, and blameless reputations, blameless talks about our testimony before a lost world, that we will have peace in standing before Christ. In other words, there's, there's nothing to be nervous about. There's nothing to be ashamed about. There's nothing to be, uh, to be upset about. There's nothing to cry over. Because we can stand before him with a clear conscience, if you can put it that way. Now, certainly God is, uh, understands and knows that we're not going to live perfect lives. He's talking about what characterizes our lives. He's talking about the general direction of your life. Was it spotless in, in, in terms of your character? What about your reputation before unbelievers, your testimony? Appearance does make a major difference. In, in what people think about Jesus Christ. And that's what he's talking about. Blameless means that there's no charge that can be laid on you that, that would stick. Blameless. Reputations. In fact, it's very interesting that uh, 
in, in Peter's first letter, he uses the same expression of spotless and, and blameless to refer to the Lord Jesus. He said he is the lamb, unblemished and spotless, the unblemished and spotless lamb. So what he's really telling us is that our lives in terms of character is to reflect the character of Jesus Christ to such a degree that we don't need to be afraid or ashamed or, or nervous as he evaluates our lives, that we have lived for him. We have had a testimony that's pure before this world. We don't fear the prospect of being in his presence. You see, one of the, one of the great motivating factors in the Christian life is knowing that someday we will personally see Jesus. Right now, we don't see him. In fact, Peter says in his first letter, whom having not seen, ye love. We've never seen Christ. I've never seen Christ. You haven't seen Christ, but someday we will. And you know what? John, this, just to go one book over to 1 John chapter 3. You may not even have to turn a page or if you do just one page, I would suspect. 1 John chapter 3. Notice what John says in verses 2 and 3. These are, these are just wonderful, wonderful verses and purifying verses. Purifying. Verse 2, beloved, he's speaking to believers. Beloved, now are we children of God. That is to say that right now we're God's children. That's what we know. You, the moment you trusted the Lord Jesus, you became a child of God. Before that, you were a creature. You were created by God, but you actually became his child the moment you placed your faith in Christ for salvation. Now we are the children of God. We understand that. He says, and it has not yet appeared or has not appeared as yet what we will be. I mean, right now we know what we are, but you know what? God has not revealed as much as, as uh, uh, we would at times like to know about what we're going to be like in the future. People ask that all the time. Well, what will we be like and, and how will it be in the future? Uh, God has not revealed a great deal about that. We can trust that it's going to be wonderful because Scripture says in His presence is fullness of joy. So He says that right now we're the children of God, but uh, we don't know. It's not yet appeared what we will be. We don't, we don't know what the future will be like for us. But here's what we do know. We know, He says, that when He appears, we will be like Him, that is Christ, because we'll see Him just as He is. We may not know exactly what we'll be like, but we know that in character we'll be like Christ, conformed to his image perfectly. As I said before, we will be as perfectly like Christ as we can be without being deity, whatever that may entail. And then verse 3. Now that's a fact. That's the way it's going to be. But, but now John says, here's what ought to motivate you then. Knowing this is true, he says, and everyone who has this hope Fixed on him. This hope of what? Seeing him, being like him, ultimately purifies himself just as he, meaning Christ, is pure. Someday, when we see Jesus Christ, we'll be transformed into the likeness of his perfect character. But even now, while we continue to struggle with our sin, and, and it is a struggle at times, we can become more and more like him, conformed to his image. How? by fixing our hope on his return, just knowing that you're going to see the Lord Jesus, just knowing that. And as Paul and, and Peter tell us, stand before him, just knowing that you're going to stand before him, and as John tells us, be changed by him, it ought to motivate us to let him change us now. 
See, prophecy is important. It is, it is never, and, and, and in Christendom and amongst true Bible-believing evangelical Christians, there are differences of, of uh, how we interpret the prophetic scriptures. And we never make that a basis for fellowship. Never should that be the basis for fellowship. But it is important what we believe about the future. It is important because what you believe about the future affects the way you live today. And that's what John is saying. That's what John is saying. I remember reading the story of when President Dwight Eisenhower was visiting a city, I believe it was Denver, years ago, when he heard about a little boy named Paul Haley who uh, had terminal cancer. And uh, President Eisenhower decided out of compassion and sympathy that he would, uh, he would visit that little boy unannounced. Nobody knew about it. And so the presidential limousine drove up to uh, Paul Haley's house and and the president got out, accompanied, of course, by his aides, and, and he went to, up to the door, and the president knocked on the door. And it was Paul's father who answered the door. Now, realize, he didn't know who was on the other side of the door. But I can tell you, he was not expecting the president of the United States. His face was unshaven. His hair was uncombed. He was wearing old pants, a dirty T-shirt, and bare feet. And that day, obviously, he invited the president in. And that day, President Eisenhower visited Paul. They spent about 20 minutes together. And uh, the president gave him a gift. He, he lifted him up. He, uh, he took him in his arms. He brought him outside to see the presidential limousine, even had him sit in it, and then brought him back into the house. And as I said, the, the whole visit took about 20 minutes. But the entire neighborhood and blocks... Uh, we're so excited. They obviously knew something was, was happening. It wasn't every day that the, uh, a limousine like this visited or came to that neighborhood. And they all gathered. Everybody was thrilled and excited. That is everybody except Mr. Haley. Because all this man could think about was that he greeted the president of the United States with an unshaven face, uncombed hair, old pants, dirty t-shirt, and bare feet. Well, you know what? Someday we're going to personally greet Jesus Christ. And it will not be our outward clothing that really matters. God is not concerned about the outward clothing, but what will matter is our inward character and our testimony for him. That's what will count. That's what will be important. And so in light of what the future holds for us, this coming world of righteousness and standing before Jesus Christ at his Bema seat, that ought to motivate us to be different. And so I, I, I turn back to Second Peter and say, in light of what Peter is saying, that we need to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, you need to examine your life. How spotless and blameless are you? Peter is speaking of the personal purity, is what he's talking about. Is there purity of speech in your life? And by that, I mean, are, are you saying those things that... Uh, You'd be embarrassed to stay in the presence of Christ. Is there a vulgarity coming out of your mouth? Ought not to be. And I have news for you. You're in the presence of Christ now, but uh, we don't see that. It's both a caution and an encouragement to know that God is always watching over us. David said in Psalm 139, Where can I go from your spirit? He went on to describe some of the places one might go to try to flee from God's presence and said, Even there, your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Pastor Steve will have more to share about what it means to be spotless and blameless in our next class. 
You have been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is pleased to be able to make his practical and biblical messages available to you through these daily radio Bible classes. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry made possible through the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who have first been faithful to their own local church. If you would like to hear today's program again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the file and listen to it later. We also offer a free podcasting service if you'd like to make sure you don't miss any classes in the future. Previous classes can be found on our archives page. And while you're there, look for the link to subscribe to our complimentary newsletter. That website again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the middle part of a three-part message. To hear the entire message at once, you can order an audio CD. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. The number again, 727-441-1714. Are you apprehensive about the return of Christ? If so, that's understandable, but you don't need to fear it. In fact, it's called the blessed hope. Christ followers have a lot to look forward to. We will hear some of them when we return next time with the conclusion of Pastor Steve's series of lessons about the return of Christ. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.